Murph is all about hot, badass, nasty speed. I mean, that's how you got to play the game of hockey. Listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is Behind the Mask. Welcome to Impact Sports Behind the Mask, the only podcast dedicated to Michigan State and Big Ten hockey. I'm your host, Andrew Burkle, alongside my partner, Ryan Collins. Ryan, how you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm good. Had a exam yesterday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Juan. Oh, oh, yeah. Same class. I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a big class. It's actually totally throwing me off that it is 5.45 right now, and it is completely pitch black outside. Yeah, it's it makes you tired. I, I, I'm i about to take a nap after this, and I got a couple papers that I do, so that's never good. It's just nap city this time of the year. <laughs> nap city, yeah. You I, get get home, it sits a lot, PTI is playing, and you're napping, and you're... I know, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like totally throws all your schedule off. Yeah. Anyway, so let's get to the recap of the weekend. Michigan State took on Ferris in a home-and-home home for the uh, home-and-home series. One game at Michigan State, one game at Ferris. On Friday night at Monterey Ice Arena, the Spartans took a 3-0 lead in the first period with goals from Osborne, Osborne, Lewandowski, and Kodoranko. The Spartans would score again to make it 4-0, but then the Bulldogs would mount a little bit of a comeback, scoring two straight, and then MSU would score once more for their fifth goal, and then conceded a third, so 5-3 to three on the day. Michigan State gets full, uh, gets a hat-trick from Patrick Kodoranko, and pretty much, I mean, they they did dominate the game early on, and then kind of, it seemed like they kind of lost a little energy there. Yeah, I mean, they kind of got sloppy in that second period. There was a lot of penalties, but I mean, in that first period, they were buzzing. It was a joke. I mean, they were, they were all over Ferris. It was kind of the first period and a half there. Like, yeah. Halfway they, through the second period, I didn't even consider the fact that Michigan State was going to lose the game. You know, yeah. it was 4 0, yeah. very comfortable. I mean, Ferris, I mean, I think the first, after the first face off, they kind of got a opportunistic bounce and, uh, they almost put one in the net, and then after that, they didn't really do anything for a period and a half. And I think the one lesson that Michigan State could definitely take away from that is that if you're playing a more, if you're playing a Notre Dame or an Ohio State or a Penn State or one of those top Big Ten teams, that you're not going to be able to do that because they will have the horses to come back. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you don't want to, you let yourself go on the penalty kill as much as they did in that second period. It's going to come back to bite you eventually. Well, I mean, their defense played pretty good though. I thought on Friday night, so that was a positive. And I mean, you looked at that game, and that was the first time I got to see him play in person this season. And they they just looked physically imposing to Ferris State. They were faster, they looked bigger, and they it, it was a really good performance the first two periods. And at the end, they got a little bit sloppy, but they eventually put it away. Yeah, physically imposing is a good way of putting it because I remember you and I sitting next to each other in the press box half like that first period. We just said. Michigan State is bigger and faster, yeah. and that's just not something that you would say against any opponent the last couple of years. And, yeah. you know, some of that is age. You know, the two of the guys in the KHL line now are juniors, and they're, so they're upperclassmen, and that really helps. Yeah. I mean, you, as uh, Dan Cole put it, Quarterinko is a horse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, has a hat trick on Friday, one off the butt, as he said himself. But uh, it, it was impressive to see them – after a little bit of expectations to come out on Friday and put a whooping on Ferris in the first period. Yep, and then on Saturday, it was pretty much all Ferris State. The Bulldogs scored the game's first two goals before Michigan State got a power play goal from Logan Lambda to make it 2-1, to one, but 
then that would be it for the Spartans. They wouldn't score again. Uh, Ferris would end up winning four to one. So a split for the Spartans on the weekend. I think after the the early uh, Friday, the Friday first four goals, I think a split would have been a little disappointing. But you know, still nothing, nothing to you know write home to be, get all nervous about or anything. What what were your overall thoughts for the weekend? I mean, it's a small arena in Big Rapids, so it's a little bit. I mean, Dan Cole was saying that on Friday, it's gonna be a little bit different atmosphere than Cornell. It's gonna be more jammed in, tight arena, and. I, I mean, you looked at it. I think the defense on three of those goals were at fault. I didn't think DeRidner had a chance at three of those goals. Maybe the fourth one was maybe a little bad position. A little bit of a longer yeah, shot, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, you looked at it, and they just didn't, probably didn't come out with the— they didn't come out with the same energy they came out with in the first game of the series, which you basically saw them control the whole like whole first, second, first and second periods, and you didn't see that in uh, Big Rapids. Yeah, and the uh, the one thing that I noticed watching, you know, was that the defense, all the goals were right in front of the net, like just right, yeah. right there. Like you said, DeRitter had no chance on the the one. There was a goal from behind the net where he passed it wide open, back yeah. door, completely open. I think then there Tommy was a couple, Miller was in there and Mr. Simon. They were able to put it behind DeRitter. Yeah, and then a couple other kind of goals where they just kind of pushed it in from right in front there. But that was one of the things we said in our video recap on Friday was that. The defense had seemed to be just a lot better than it was last year. And now, I mean, to give up four goals to Ferris, I don't think it's anything to, you know, freak out about. But I think that there is some things they need to clean up. I think when you play a young goalie like the Redner, you see defensemen don't really know how they want to play in front of a new goalie. And they're just getting adjusted to each other. Because some goalies like guys to block shots. Some goalies don't like guys to block shots. So you'll you'll see a meshing period this non-conference with DeRidder, and I'm wondering how much Cole plays him in the following couple of series. Yeah, it will be interesting because now Leatherman 4-0 on the year. Yeah, I mean, he's been pretty impressive. I mean, he didn't have too many chances on Friday night where, I mean, he just made steady saves. He steadied the ship in that third period when it was 4-2, to and Ferris was buzzing a little bit. But him steadying the ship just a lot just made crucial saves, didn't let any bad goals in. He wasn't anything special on Friday, but he was good. Yeah, let's switch gears here to the three takeaways. I think just goes right into it, actually. John Leatherman, takeaway number one, John Leatherman, 4-0 on the year now. Michigan State hasn't lost with Leatherman in that. And like you said just a second ago, obviously, was that he hasn't done anything insane. It's not like he's you know standing on his head back there, but he's doing enough to get to get Michigan State in a winning a, a chance to win. Yeah, with how many goals Michigan State's scoring this early in the year, you don't necessarily need to shut out teams as the offense production for Michigan State's been pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, Michigan State, they had one goal last game, but other than that, they've had three, four, three, five, four, five, and, and then one. So, I mean, they're putting the puck in the net. So you don't need anything insane for a goalie. Yeah, not yeah, nothing like you're, they're not playing a lot of one and nothing games. I don't think that's the style of Michigan State's gonna be playing this year. Which is really weird because you know the whole last year the we Jason and I used to talk all the time and say, you know, a game where a two to one game or a one to zero game is basically the only chance Michigan State has because they could, <laughs> couldn't score the the lower lines and and you know the KHL can only do so much last year as as underclassmen. But now I f- I feel like that this hockey team has a chance to be. One of the better offensive teams in the Big Ten. Oh uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Their defensemen have been very good. Uh, Dennis Sazana, as we learned this weekend, how to Sazana, yep. Yeah, he's been really good at for a freshman out there on the blue line. You saw 
Osborne didn't want to go in. I mean, Cole Saint was telling us in a press conference that he preaches to his defense and put wrist shots. I said he get points in college hockey, but I mean, if you have that production from your back end, it's gonna improve everyone, improve all four lines on your offense. So it's it's that's a really positive thing for the Michigan State hockey team. Yeah, no doubt. All right, takeaway number two: Michigan State will go as the KHL line goes, and you saw that mainly on Friday night where. Uh, Patrick Kodaranko had a hat trick. I think did uh, who had the other? Okay, Lam Lewandowski had the other goal. So, that and was a, yeah, that was a gross pass too from oh, Taron Rossi yeah, to Lewandowski. Yeah. So this has obviously been the storyline all off season, all last year, but it's remaining true. And now you see as the KHL line has gotten a year older, that seems like they're dominating even more. Hat trick, and it seemed like the game was going in slow motion as they were playing, especially on the power play. I mean, not even on the power play. It looks like they're on the power play when they were out there, all three together. I mean, they're so in sync, and they play really hard. They play really hard. It's not like they're just all skill guys. They grind in the corner, and they play hard, and they are they get those opportunities because Tortorinko and Lewandowski are both working in the corners, and Hiroshi, being the great passer that he is, he's still grinding. They're not uh, they're kind of, they're a blue-collar team, as Dan Cole would say. And it's not just the production, which has obviously been huge thus far, but what what the uh, KHL line does and frees up for everybody else is almost like having a really good running offense in football, where just keeping your team on the field and just keeping, you know, help, by running the ball in football, it opens up everything else for your offense and your defense. The same thing is true for the KHL line. The better they play, the more they're wearing down the other team, the more... The other teams have to think about trying to match up against them and trying to put their best lines out there and all those other little things, and that just frees up everybody else, like Logan Lambden and Osborne, to score goals. I mean, yeah, you're. I mean, they're obviously going to get the best D pairings every time they're out on the ice, and they're out on the ice a lot. So it gives opportunities for second lines like the Saliba line, the APAP line, to play better and maybe get more points than they did last season. Yeah, and then takeaway number three, you already touched on this a little bit, but Dennis Cessna makes a huge difference on the power play with his puck moving. And it really it really opened him and Hiroshi on that power play is just so smooth. And it, yeah. and I think that seeing it in person against Ferris, against, you know, they played, uh, who wasn't that first game there? Uh, it was, I think it was... Another weird name, really. No, it was, uh, oh, Windsor. Windsor, when they, that's, that was the oh, game oh, I went to. Oh, but this is the first game I've seen in person with Ferris and... Just seeing their puck movement and how well they're moving the puck is just, I think it's just really encouraging, especially with uh, Cessna back there. He's I mean, been they're, really, 34%, he's been really they're 34% on the power play. That's pretty. That's a great number to be at if you're Michigan State. And you looked at last year, I think they were 17%. So if they can keep that production up, I mean, that having a weapon like the power play they like they could possibly have during the season, it gives you an opportunity against every team in a bit time. Because people, it's college hockey. There's going to be penalties. People are going to make mistakes. And if you can take advantage of those mistakes, I mean, it's tough to give, say, Wisconsin, like, outplays Michigan State. But, hey, they take three penalties. Michigan State stores twice on a power play. They're right in that game. So I think that's a huge, it's, it's a huge weapon for this team. And 34%, it's not like you score every single time you're out there. But it's one of those things like a really good hitter in baseball. A really good hitter in baseball only bats like 300. Yeah. But that's still really good. You feel like they're going to get a hit every single time. And every single time Michigan State's power play unit goes out there, you feel like they're going to score a goal. Yes. Yeah. And especially with that top three of KHL. And I think they had a production from Cody Milan, too. He scored on the power play this weekend. 
Yeah, so. definitely. It's It really opens things up for everybody with that power play. All right, let's move on to the opponent preview. Michigan State will be traveling to Tempe to face Arizona State. Woo. That that sound familiar? Traveling to Tempe to face Arizona State? Maybe, hopefully for the Spartans' sake, that it uh, goes better. It goes a little time. differently, yeah. So Arizona State already played 10 games. They're 7-3 uh, and three on the season. They faced two Big Ten po- opponents already. They lost both games to Ohio State back when they were ranked, I think it was number 10, or they yeah. were ranked high. Top ten for sure, and then they split with Penn State. So their first win against a and that was their first win against a ranked opponent. Uh, sophomore Johnny Walker leads the nation in both points with seventeen goals and goals with ten, as well as power play goals. He has six power play goals. Jeez. I mean, sure it helps to play ten Ugh. games already compared to you know Michigan State's only played six, but I mean they're he's a, he's gonna be a force to be reckoned with. I mean he's buzzing right now. Oh yeah, yeah. Arizona State also leads the country in total goals with 39 and are tenth in goals per game at 3.9. They're just and they're averaging just 2.2 goals against, which is twelfth uh, in the nation. Uh, Joey Decord has played all ten games in net for the Sun Devils. He has a 2.11 goals against average and a .934 save percentage. So, in other words, Arizona State, they're no joke. I mean, yeah. I mean, you started a hockey program four years ago. I mean, they're a powerhouse in club hockey, but for them to be this good this early into their program is pretty impressive, being the only independent in college hockey, too. Yeah, and they they, they schedule real, too. Like they're already, that, This will be their no third joke. Big Ten opponent they're playing this uh, in a series this year already. I, yeah. I mean, it's no joke. I mean, you look at their schedule the last two years, and as a program who's developing, you would expect them to play maybe some lesser opponents, which they did, but they still went on the road and played at Denver at PSU. I mean, the schedule like they schedule is pretty impressive for a program only in its fourth year. And for them to beat Penn State after losing, I think, 2-8 to eight and, and 7 to nothing last year is a pretty big step for their program. Yeah, and you have to give credit to uh, some of the teams around the country, too, willing to schedule them because they're kind of like one of those, you know— uh, what is, like Boise State or one of those other teams in uh, in independent teams or smaller conference teams where you don't really gain that much by playing them, but you but if you win because if you lose then it's like ah you've lost to them especially earlier in the days but now it seems like they're you know they're legit. I think going out there too it creates more exposure for your program. Sure. Going, yeah, because there's I mean with the Coyotes being out there for like 20 years now, there's been a lot of talent that come out of the Arizona area. For hockey, you look at Austin Matthews, and you, you see the excitement around this Arizona State hockey team. So I think it creates more exposure for your team out west. And it's kind of, I mean, if you're a Michigan State player, you're pretty hyped to get out of the cold weather. <laughs> yeah, get to go down for a yeah. weekend in Arizona State. That's yeah. not all bad. Yeah, not bad at all. All right, well, let's switch gears to around the boards. So look at the Big Ten Conference. Coming in at number six in the nation is Notre Dame. They're 4-3-1 and on the season. They split with Ohio State last weekend, and they play U of M this weekend. Number seven is Ohio State, who obviously just split with Notre Dame. And a and they what is that, 1-0 on the road? Yeah, they uh, were able to shut out Notre Dame at Notre Dame, so that's pretty impressive. Oh, yeah, that is Ohio impressive. Yeah. Yep. Penn State, number eight. Uh, that six and one on the season. They split with Arizona State as we just talked about. They will have a home and home with Robert Morris this weekend. Michigan coming off a split with Lake Superior State last weekend, and they host Notre Dame. Uh, they uh, host Notre Dame at Yost for a weekend set coming up here. Minnesota number sixteen at one three and one got swept by now number three Minnesota State, and will get off the uh, the Big Ten started this weekend against Wisconsin. Wisconsin, number 20, got swept by number 14, North Dakota. They take on Minnesota 
for a home weekend set. And then coming in at unranked Michigan State 4-2, and two, who obviously just uh, split with Ferris State, and they will have uh, – is it Notre Dame the weekend off, or do they – they, uh, I think they play Notre Dame next, correct? Yeah, they do. I think they do have the weekend off. Yeah, because... We uh, could be wrong. Who knows? I'm looking at it now. Yep, they do have the weekend off because... Oh, wait, no. What are we talking about? They wanted to play Arizona State. Yeah. <laughs> we just talked about that for like yeah. an hour. God, I'm stupid. Uh, so, yeah, Michigan State will have their hands full with Arizona State, but they did receive votes for uh, some rankings. Yeah. But overall, I mean, look at how many teams. We got three, four teams over 500. No, five... Well, still five teams out of the seven are over 500. Minnesota at one, three, and one. Do you think the Big Ten was a little overrated to start the season? Uh, I, I don't know about that. I think they scheduled pretty tough. I mean, you look at Minnesota, who's basically played a ranked opponent almost every game they've played already this year. So it's tough to get a gauge for how tough the conference is. But maybe they're not as powerhouse as we thought. Maybe maybe the Frozen Four last year with three Big Ten teams skewed people's perceptions of the comp- of the conference. So far, so I mean, I want to say they're overrated. It's a little early to say that, but for teams at Wisconsin not to be able to get one against North Dakota or Michigan, Michigan's looked a little bit. Michigan is the one underwhelming team I've seen so far this year. I mean, a split with Late State, I think they're a little bit better than that, and they have so much talent in that program. You'd expect more from them. Yeah, I agree. And you look at Minnesota's record one three and one. You're like, how are they ranked? But then they they just got swept by number three Minnesota State. So that's I mean, like the scheduling has been very tough for the Big Ten this year. Yeah, week. I mean they go play out in Las Vegas and on the U.S. hockey event, and they're breaking a new coach. I mean, it, there's a lot of factors to maybe the Big Ten's slower start. But I I mean, Penn State's had a pretty terrific start, six and one. But other than that loss to ASU, who looks to be a Pretty decent team in college hockey, so. Yeah, you just look top to bottom. Split, 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 swept, swept, split. That's what the series was. So maybe it was just a bad weekend yeah. for the Big Ten. But I, overall, I, I wouldn't panic about the conference. I think that especially when you start playing each other, then it's, people are going to realize how good these teams are. Yeah, I mean, I think Michigan State's going to realize how good these teams are pretty soon. So, Very true. Yeah, so. I mean, maybe the excitement gets sucked out a little bit from Michigan State hockey faithful once they start Big Ten play. Yeah, that's why this is a big series coming up for Michigan State against Arizona yeah, State. Yeah, I mean, keep the confidence going before you got to play a tough opponent like Notre Dame next weekend. Yep. All right, let's move on to stats don't lie slash facts don't lie, as, as you've yeah, appropriately yeah. changed it. Yes, yes, because I tend to put facts in here. But uh, Taron Orosi leads the country with two points per game and is tied for sits in points in college hockey. Saturday's loss was the only game a member of the K. KHL line did not record a point. So that just shows you how important their production is to this team. Dennis Cessna, defenseman, leads all Spartan freshmen with four points, with three apples and one goal, making it a major factor for his big minutes on the ice and on the power play. Patrick Tortorinko has scored five goals this season. All five have been on the power play. Wow. Yeah, so that's pretty funny to look at. And uh, Arizona State's Johnny Walker, who's the leading point Getter, leading scorer in Kyle Chati. Also, yeah, also leads the nation with 59 shots on that. So he's just rifling the puck. Yeah, the yeah. So Dang, pucks yeah. on that. Yeah, Big pucks on that guy. Always an emphasis for coaches. Hey, P- you got to throw pucks on that. Pucks on that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the, I think the biggest takeaway there is uh, Patrick Kotarenko, five power play goals, five goals on the season. And he had know, three yeah. in that game against yeah. uh, it was funny. against Ferris there. Yeah, I that. was reading my game recap, and I was just like, oh, there's a second on the power play. There's a third on the power play. Oh, there's his fourth on the pot. Yeah. I, like, I was like, I mean, he's 
he's really good in that power play. He's good in front of the net. Well, they put him in a they put him in a position where he's going to be the benefit a benefactory of a lot of the puck movement that, from Horosi and Cessna. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, he sits kind of on those wings there and just rifles the puck at the net. So he's definitely in a good spot to continue to put the puck in the net. All right, that'll do it for stats. Don't lie. Let's get to the predictions for the weekend. Ryan, you want to go ahead with your prediction here first? Uh, I would expect the Spartans to split on Tempe. Maybe they're a little bit more talented than Arizona State, but traveling across the country, facing a program like Arizona State, I think there's a lot of distract- distractions and things going on this weekend for them where maybe it's a smaller rent but a pretty good environment. So I would expect the Spartans to go out there on Friday and lose a tough one. But uh, I expect Lachlan to start both games, so I think they'll get the Saturday one and probably win and convincing passion. Yeah, I'm going to go with the split as well, but I'm going to take Michigan State on Friday because the Spartans have been very good on Friday this yes. season. They're th- uh, 3-0 with 4-2, 5-2, and 5-3 wins. And one of those, obviously, where they played really well against Ferris last weekend. I think Saturday will be tough. It will be tough to, to sweep Arizona State on the road there, but I, I expect them to come out as they have all year firing on Friday and and probably get a win then as well. The only, the a bit positive for Michigan State is that they don't have Dave Warner on their staff, so there's a good chance they could win in Tempe. Always helps. That's a big yeah, help. Yeah, yeah, big help. But uh I mean you look at this series and it, it is a big momentum stripper because I think they expected a sweet Ferris last weekend and not getting that done maybe upsets them. But uh I think to keep the momentum they've kind of gained early season, it would be huge for them to go sweep on the road. No doubt. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Behind the Mask for WDBM Sports. I'm Andrew Burkle. I'm Ryan Collins. Thanks for joining us.